Hello and welcome back to In Bed with Lisa. I am very excited to have my special guest with us today. Somebody who I have been admiring in the world of sex education for a long time for her down to earth awesomeness. If you haven't seen her, I would be very surprised. Her name is Danielle Bezalel. She is MPH, MPH, Master of Public Health. Um, she is the creator, executive producer and host of Sex Ed with DB podcast, which is a feminist podcast delivering the sex ed you never got through unique and entertaining storytelling. She centers LGBTQ plus and BIPOC experts and she was also on Netflix's The Principles of Pleasure, which was an absolute highlight of COVID for me. <laughs> and that was released in over 100 countries, sharing sex ed to millions of viewers. Welcome, DB. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. What an amazing introduction. I'm very appreciative. So thank you so much. Well, all of it is well-deserved and true. So yes, you are really making waves in the world of sex ed. And I think particularly your honesty, your openness, mm. your willingness to say the things that other people are too scared to talk about. Because even in the world of sex ed, which, you know, I think it does bring a certain kind of person to actually be able to talk about sex in general on a public platform. But you kind of take it to another level. You share your adventures and it's so compelling to watch. So you know what, I, I really just want to start with something that is quite current with what you're doing. And it is the magic wand experiment. Oh, yes. oh I would love to talk about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Please tell us more. What on earth is a magic wand? And how has it changed your life? Great, great start. Uh, so yeah, um, hello everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, if you have never heard of the magic wand, um, I'm I would be very surprised because it's one of the most popular sex toys ever. Um, <laughs> it is a big, giant, white wand looking thing with a big bulb on it. Uh, there are four different kinds now. And my personal favorite is the original that you plug into the wall and you never have to worry about charging it and you get a lot of power. Um, <laughs> and so it is a wand sex toy that is meant to be used externally. Uh, it is quite strong for people with vulvas. Um, and I personally have always really loved it. It was one of the first sex toys that I ever got. It was a gift actually from uh, a sex toy company that I worked at. And ever since okay. I started using it when I was in my early to mid 20s, I've loved it ever since. And so uh, the universe um, told me that not only do you love the magic wand, but the magic wand will love you back and they will be your sponsor one day. And that's what <laughs> happened. Um, and the magic wand is one of Sex Ed with DB's amazing sponsors. Congratulations. That is phenomenal. Thank you so much. And so I went to Magic Wand and I said, okay, like we could do kind of like run of the mill content, right? I think that our content is fun and funny and silly and doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's educational. But what if we went a step further and I actually conducted like a real masturbation slash pleasure experiment with the Magic Wand as a real researcher would? And they were crazy about the idea. And so my team and I worked really, really hard to design this experiment. Um, you know, we had this hypo like six hypotheses. Uh, we had 27 variables that we were tracking over the course of three weeks. And this is how we set up the experiment. So through the course of three weeks, there were different, like three different kinds of weeks. The first week was abstinence week where I had no sexual activity whatsoever by myself nor with my partner. Like that a control kind of week. <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, you know, 
it kind of tricky with the word control because I think you'll find I'm going to tell you about week three in a second. And I think that's more accurate of the control week, but I'm jumping ahead here. So that was week one absence week. Week two was treatment week where every single day I use the magic wand either by myself or with my partner. Mm -hmm. And then week three was regular week. So essentially regular sexual cadence as business and pleasure as usual uh, by myself and with my partner and with or without the magic wand. And so Mm -hmm. that kind of felt more like an accurate control. Um, Mm -hmm. But we put week three after week two because we wanted to see the impacts potentially that would maybe carry over, that would have residual impacts to week three. Right, right. And yeah, and so that's how we set up the experiment. Um, We had, you know, this very um, detailed research question that I'd love to read uh, verbatim because I definitely don't want to mess it up. Um, And if you want to read the entire experiment, check out sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand experiment. But here is the research question that we had just to kind of give you a sense of what we were really looking for. What is the impact of daily magic wand use on my health and wellness, as well as my sexual experience when compared to regular sexual activity and no sexual activity? And so that was kind of the experiment in a nutshell. Phenomenal. You know something? This is like a tangent going off in my brain, but I support the World the World Association for Sexual Health in their communication committee, and their congress is coming up. And this should totally be submitted as an abstract. You oh my god, that would be this. incredible! Yeah, <laughs> the congress is happening in November in Turkey. I mean, you would like blow their minds. But wow. please carry on. Spectacular. That would that would be my pleasure, literally and figuratively. Mm. But. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I guess maybe you want to know some like key highlights. I think that might be helpful. Um, so essentially we found like four overall main things. And then in the, uh, you know, experiment article on our website, we kind of go into each of these things in detail. Um, but here are the four things. So number one, when using the magic wand every day, I experienced less stress, anxiety, and physical tension. Number two, I reported more frequent positive moods when using the magic wand every day, including higher levels of confidence. Mm -hmm. Number three, my orgasms came faster and were more enjoyable when I used the magic wand every day. And number four, (laughs) this is the most surprising one where my hypothesis was actually proved incorrect, was Mm -hmm. my level of horniness increased over time when using the magic wand every day. So I kind of had this assumption specifically around horniness that like if I was forcing myself to have pleasure every day, then I would just be less in the mood for it because I wasn't actually like normally in the mood, Um, Mm -hmm. like naturally in the mood, I should say. But the actual opposite, according to the data, (laughs) is true. Uh, And my horniness really increased over the course of treatment week. So those are kind of some key highlights there. That is exciting. Oh, my goodness. I it's fascinating. Just yeah. wonderful. And and what would you say to any listeners who are are wondering if it would maybe desensitize? Did it did you notice any any de- desensitization of the vulva while using the magic wand every day? I didn't. I was tracking whether or not I had vulva pain because I was kind of worried that if I was using the magic wand every single day, then then I would cause myself like actual physical pain just by nature of using it every day with the goal of orgasming. That doesn't have to be everybody's goal, but that was my goal uh, Mm -hmm. indeed. And so 
Um, and that just sometimes is something that happens to me. That's not something that, you know, is a byproduct of the magic wand necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just I know my own body and that can happen to me when I'm putting pressure on my vulva too much. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't experience any vulva pain throughout the experiment, um, which was really good. And in terms of desensitivity, I think like maybe – it took me a little longer to reach orgasm in regular week because I had two um, pleasure sessions, I should say, Mm -hmm. in regular week that kind of took me like over nine minutes to reach orgasm, which if you're looking at the the data, right, like people with vulvas, like Mm -hmm. average, I believe is between like 15 and 20 minutes to reach Mm -hmm. orgasm or even, you know, for some people that's more for some people who are very gifted, they can do it very quickly um, without a a toy or without a vibrator. Um, But I think like, regardless, um, it, it was very clear that the magic wand, like, made me feel good very quickly. And my rating of my orgasms was higher than without the magic wand during the experiment. Mm. That is so interesting. And it's great. I think people need to know that this thing can plug into the wall, like you said, doesn't need to be recharged. No batteries. The only issue is if you're in South Africa and you're load shedding, like I am right now. (laughs) Right, right. Then maybe you need the rechargeable. You had to have a charge beforehand. Yes. (laughs) And out of interest, as we're talking about the wand, um, did you use it with any attachments? Because I see that it can come with kind of different fittings. Yes. Did you did you try it with the different ones? Yes to there being attachments. No to me using attachments. Um, okay. I, I would like to try them. I've never actually tried them myself. Yeah. Um, I'm more of like a clitoris pleasure person. I do enjoy yeah. like G-spot pleasure or internal pleasure. But I think for me, if I'm choosing the, the wand, it's like, all right, I'm like, I have, I'm on a mission here. <laughs> like I'm trying to yep. get there, get out, feel good, continue on with my day. Um, and so I know I haven't tried them, but I would really love to. I'm sure Magic Wand would, would send me them if I asked. Of course. And although I must be clear that it really, they don't, it really doesn't need any attachments, but I just was curious to know right. because yeah, it does the job. It's an incredible tool. Um, okay. Well, that's great. Thank you for letting us start there. Yeah. Okay. Let's now go down your path of, you know, what you're really well known for, which is sex education. And I would love to ask you, what topics do you really wish that adults knew? Like, what do you think, if there was something you could pinpoint, what do you wish that we had been taught in our younger years? This is always a tricky question because I always, whenever I'm asked this, I feel like Spider-Man with like just 19 webs that I'm like, (laughs) I'm like thinking of a meme or something where like Spider-Man shooting webs and there are just like so many words like of topics that I wish that there was. Um, Because really like sex education is so all encompassing, right? Like it's not only healthy relationships and actual sex, but it's like consent and uh, BDSM and sexuality and like loving yourself, right? Like body image, there are so many different kinds. Mm -hmm. But I do think that healthy relationships and like learning respect for yourself and a partner is a really good place to start for all adults. Because I, Mm -hmm. I think that that in and of itself is a big umbrella where there's a lot of things that can fall under that. And so- when we think about respect for ourselves, right? Like that's really where it needs to start, where it comes to like valuing yourself as a person, valuing your body and your mind and really knowing that like you are worthy to be happy and like be a person in this world um, that is deserving of love and kindness and happiness. And if you start there and then you kind of continue on to this idea of healthy relationships 
you know, to yourself and then to other people, then you start to really think about like, what does that look like to respect another person's body and mind? And what does that look like to respect their boundaries and their yeses and their noes? Um, and so I think like healthy relationships, like the world would be a much safer, kinder place if adults knew about that. Oh my goodness. What a great answer. And I mean, that surely is something that schools could get behind, but right. they just get so scared about the whole idea, but that would be such a powerful place to start because if people were given that education in their younger years it would help them to even see what was happening around them in their family environment because often when you're engulfed in kind of toxic difficult family relationships you kind of feel like that's normal so mm. if you're given the tools to see kind of what it could be and, and definitely starting with yourself like you said start with yourself how can you treat yourself with more love how can you see your own value how would you like to be treated? How can you set boundaries? That just starts off a chain reaction that could really change everything. And I think that's right. what that's kind of what your message is, I think, not only sex ed for learning about pleasure, which is, of course, essential, but it's learning about self-respect. And mm. from there, you can... <laughs> just charge is zipping past me now. <laughs> from there, you can help to heal families and communities and, you know greater bodies of people which would just right. be incredible really which is such a shame that this important part of our humanity is shrouded in shame yeah and just like confusion right like I think I've been talking a lot with my friends about like what it's like to like break up right like with a partner or with a mm. friend and like and to see like a relationship as like mm. a success even if it ended. And I think like it, it, we need the whole span, right? Like we need like how to get into healthy relationships, how to be and maintain healthy relationships, how to deal with healthy conflict. Like we're not mm. taught any part about how to be in a relationship in a healthy way. Like all the rom-coms end when those people first get together. And so yeah. it's just kind of like, and then there's this end part where that's just how like a lot of relationships go. Some of them stay together and some of them end and we're not mm -hmm. really taught like how to go through that entire process. That is so true. And instead we, that's probably why we end up with ghosting as being like the go-to that most people are just like, mm -hmm. oh, this feels weird. I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening. <laughs> and then right. there's no closure. People don't know no how to lesson. talk to each other in like a kind and direct way. It's it's tricky for people. And like, yeah. of course, you know, it's it's not black and white. Like there's cultural context. There are kind of other things that are involved, familial kind of relationships, how you were taught by your parents or not to deal mm -hmm. with conflict. And so it's it's definitely complicated. Absolutely. No, you're, you're not wrong there. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. You have had some fascinating guests that have just, you cover all manner of topics. And I wonder if you could maybe share some of the, like the, your favorite guests and maybe a couple of lessons that you thought, yes, because even though you have a huge amount of wisdom, I'm sure that your guests can bring other perspectives and things that maybe you hadn't thought about. I wonder if you could like pick a couple of, you know, people that come to mind without putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, no, no. I have, I have a couple. Um, Great. The first, yeah, the first person who comes to mind is someone who's like a relatively new friend of mine. We like met kind of like over the internet um, because she also does sex ed on, like on TikTok and she used to like be a sex educator in the classroom for many years and her right. name is Melissa Stripe. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we had an episode last season called Making Sex Ed Funny. And I always really appreciated her videos because she makes these kind of like funny, weird, cringy, like parody lip synky videos about sex ed. Like she'll take like a 90s song and like rewrite the lyrics and it'll be about like bacterial vaginosis. And it's just like <laughs> super funny, really weird. And they just, oh, the videos like always made me laugh. She was just someone who I really um, was inspired by from afar. Brilliant. <clears throat> And so I had her on the podcast and our like chat was just so great. And like the our banter and like the way in which we just like ping pong back and forth. Yes. And she just genuinely made me laugh. And I think <laughs> like we're our most authentic real selves when we're like laughing and we're feeling like really silly and goofy. And that's yeah. like the whole energy of the episode. And we just talked about that, about how like, how important that is in the context of sex education to feel like you can let your guard down and just think like something so weird and strange and like that's okay and we can just laugh yeah. about it and learn along the way. So that's yeah. definitely one of them. And I think that just it really like that resonates with me because sex is messy and yeah. stupid and silly and it, it is great if it can be like that. So to have the ability to bring that energy to the education is really a gift that's incredible I'm definitely going to check her out yes and then another one that I always really talk about similarly not because we like super made each other laugh but just because of the way in which because you just remember how people make you feel right and there's this guest named uh Armando Caba and he is an erotic artist and he just draw like paints these incredible bodies and parts and is just a very talented artist I think I also revere people who have talents that I'll just never have. So I think that's yes. part of it too. Um, Absolutely. And so he and I talked a lot about like the same kinds of struggles that he as an artist faces as I do as a sex educator on the internet. And so when he posts certain bodies that are nude, even though they're art, he mm-hmm. gets banned or shadow banned or blocked and like all of these things happen to him and those things have happened to me and sex educators like me and sex workers and it just felt very unifying in like a very sad and unfortunate way but mm. we really understood each other and I think yeah. I hadn't really known that about artists prior to our conversation. Yeah. yeah. And another thing that I learned that I think I knew in theory but didn't really realize until I heard him say it was that there were certain kinds of bodies, predominantly black bodies, brown bodies, fat bodies that he would paint that would be more likely to get banned than like a thin mm-hmm. white body. And I think like when there is literal like proof and like the amount of rejection that you receive as an artist posting on the internet with mm-hmm. certain kinds of paintings, if they have people who don't fit the quote unquote mold of like what you are supposed to be, again, quote unquote, looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, it's just like further proof that like fat phobia and racism have made its way into the algorithms because people are fat phobic and racist and they have yeah. made the algorithms. And so I, I just think it was a really eye opening conversation and I was lucky to have him on to talk about that. Absolutely. And, you know, you want to be surprised that that is happening, but actually, it's just the same disappointment that you feel from these algorithms. Like 
It's amazing that he could share that. And I can imagine why that was unifying for you. I've also experienced that my Instagram was deleted without any warning. The entire oh, account God. vanished, content gone. And it's just so frustrating. When, yeah. I mean, and like you said, so many of us have had that same experience. But I see you are having some success on TikTok, which yeah. I think is fantastic. <laughs> You're managing to navigate that. But what do you think about... Um, how young people and and other consumers of TikTok are able to access sex ed in that way. Yeah, I mean TikTok is a tricky beast because I'm very lucky that like our first ever TikTok went viral. Um at the time it was like May 2020, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic and our social media intern at the time, Leslie Lopez, who was uh, you know, a very brilliant young person who we had working for us who was very more uh, in in tune and in touch with kind of like the new apps and TikTok being one of them. And yeah. she was like, we need to get on TikTok. And I was like, okay, like, um, I hear you. Like, let's do it. <clears throat> and we got really lucky in that the first video that we ever posted was like a 10 finger challenge. And uh, like here, 10 signs you receive comprehensive and inclusive sex ed. And yeah, it immediately got like a couple hundred thousand views and we got like 30,000 followers or something in like one day and the whole, or the whole, yeah, the whole thing was just like very overwhelming. I was like, are these all bots? Like what is happening here? That's and amazing. So, yeah. And so I was really like lucky in that TikTok from the beginning that we started using it was a platform that, um, definitely like seemed to prioritize our content and we were able to do a lot in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then like as time went on more and more, we started to get like shadow banned and we weren't able to spell things correctly. Like in the beginning, I would spell the word sex S-E-X without a problem. And now I like wouldn't dare because I like would be afraid that it would uh, kick me off the platform. And so in terms of young people using it, I think it's like many pros and cons, like everything. Pros being, okay, they have more access than they ever have before to sex educators from all over the world uh, who are able to give them the best version of comprehensive sex ed they can with omitting Mm -hmm. some words, with kind of using a code, uh, not being able to talk about every topic. Um, But at the same time, I, I I don't think that like TikTok is the platform to really get deep into those conversations. It's really like dipping your toe in the water. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why I try to, you know, push people to my podcast is to be like, hey, like, here's a 15 second video about, you know, oral herpes, but we're not going to be able to talk about like stigma or like how to ask someone else to get tested or how do you get tested for herpes and what does Mm -hmm. that look like, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's why I try to recommend that people um, go and, and get that content in a fuller way from somewhere else. So I think it's like, Yes, definitely like find your find your favorite uh, sex educators on TikTok. Um, you know, make sure that you're following the ones that are reputable. I think that's another tricky thing yes. is that yeah. there's a, there are a lot of people out there who are just kind of willy-nilly sharing stuff and like they're not certified. They mm-hmm. don't have any education. I mean, I think like there's something to be said for someone being self-taught and like naming references and talking about the books that you've read. Like that's totally great. 
But for people who are just like, oh, this is just like a feeling that I have. It's kind of like, I don't know if that's appropriate. <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. that that's an appropriate way to be teaching other people. Yeah. Um, so I just think that it's, yeah, it's, it's important. <laughs> I love you. I'm cat. sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. <laughs> oh, cat. This is Ruby. She's Hi, Ruby. clearly wanting some attention. Hello. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I think like it is, it is just kind of tricky because part of me really wishes that there was, that there was a universal kind of understanding of like what a sex educator is and what you need, yes. you know, like not anyone can just be like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a doctor, right? Like in yes. whatever country you live in, even if it's people who are elders in your community, like they have that experience. Right. Absolutely. So I think with sex ed, it is tricky because there's not necessarily this universally accepted uh, definition of like what yeah. constitutes a, uh, a sex educator. Um, and so, you know, those are kind of all my jumbled thoughts about TikTok yeah. and sex ed. It's important though that I think, I think we can give, like we can allow the consumers to, like you said, find the people who they resonate with and mm -hmm. then just do their research. And I think, I think I, I used to be more worried about TikTok but now I have three teenage sons and they, they use TikTok and they learn quite a lot. I mean, they yeah. also learn some crazy stuff and they learn some inaccurate stuff. But what it certainly does is opens a conversation. So if, if TikTok can be one of the resources that they have access to alongside everything else, like Reddit right. and school, school friends and adults in their life who they can come to with these with these questions I think it can be fantastic um right. great to have access to somebody like you and to other accredited certified um educators out there for whatever topics they're interested in you know they're totally it's it's a totally different world I mean I, I saw um an article that you were featured in I think it was on BuzzFeed um and it was talking about people accessing information about abortion um oh, which yeah. is yeah, which is obviously timely considering how things um, are moving in, in the States um, and how that must just be such a scary time for so many people. Um, yeah. So having access to something like TikTok, which I also was hearing rumors that TikTok was going to be banned in America. I don't know. Does that seem to be happening anymore? It it's felt just... like that was in the news for a bit. And then mm. it kind of didn't appear on my radar as much. I think like I don't really know if they were just kind of saying that in order to try to make like America be a player in the game. I think because it's a Chinese company, like that's the main reason that like yeah. American legislatures are concerned about it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's fair. I mean, I, I understand, I guess. I mean, I'm not like up on my, um, you know, international politics in that way. No. But I do think that it's here to stay. I mean, I do think that like billions of people are on the platform at this mm. point, um, at least more than 1 billion people and for better or worse, you know, like we, we have it. And especially now that it's opened TikTok shop, that's like an entire e-commerce platform that was, I think, part of the goal the entire time. Yeah. And so there are a lot of politics at play here.
yeah it's interesting actually the the movement towards like social commerce and it's just it's it's changing it's definitely things are changing before our eyes mm -hmm. um and it, that seems to be the case with america and certainly don't want to go into like a whole lot of politics but yes it, is, it has been interesting to just watch how things are unfolding and to see how sex educators like you are navigating like the changes that are happening in your country and still providing that education um because mm -hmm. people all over the world like you said have different um you know everybody is experiencing something different within their country which has always fascinated me like we just had uganda passing the law criminalizing homosexuality and legalizing terrible sentences for gay people wow. um and you'd think you know that it, it is absolutely shocking a huge turnaround you know it, it seems to be the world is going in the opposite direction because mm. in general we can become aware of things that we di we disagree with or we think are oh, not very forward thinking but we're slowly slowly improving and then when things like Wade versus Roe and and then this law in Uganda happen you just think wow like we just didn't I didn't expect things to turn around I think so many of us as well didn't expect for such a sex negative thing to happen like that yeah. in this in this day 2023 yeah i don't know what like you know south african like legislatures look like but i think just like in the us the people who are holding those positions of power do not represent most of america's like wants and needs and so it's it's so tricky because there's there's so much to it about like voter suppression and like the way in which we are like limiting like basically like poor people and marginalized people's voice by like mm. not allowing them by making voting like that much harder um, mm. by making voting and what people are voting on really uh, unclear. There's like so much to it. And there's been that that's been going on for decades and for years and years. And so um, I'm hopeful that in the future with so many young people voting for the first time in 2024, that yes. with the internet and with TikTok and with organizations that have been popping up over the last couple of years that are encouraging young people specifically to get out there and vote, I'm mm. hoping that the the landscape will shift and change. Yes, I think you could be right there. And like you say, things like TikTok actually allow people to connect and communicate and say, hey, we actually do have power if we come together right. and bring our opinions and our fresh thoughts that are so valid. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, this conversation went in a direction I did not expect, but I I know, it. I know. But it's, it, it, it is all relevant though, you know, like sex education is very tied to politics and in, in the US at least, like, with abstinence-only funding that comes federally, like that's been happening yeah. since the 80s and and beyond. And so, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions, have gone into abstinence-only education. And that, you know, has laid the groundwork for the foundation of what sex ed has looked like in many states and continues to look like in many states in this country. Mm. Wow. And I also heard that only a small percentage of states require sex ed to be medically accurate. I think the latest number is 13, but I could, I could fact check that right now. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's horrific. Um, it's really it, uh, unprecedented. Uh, okay. It's actually 17, 17, 17, 17 still bad. 
Um, yeah, it is bad. So but, is that 17 states that do require it to be medically accurate? <laughs> correct. So 33 states do not require program content in sex ed to be medically accurate. Hmm. <laughs> it's hard to react to that, isn't it, really? So it's okay to be medically inaccurate. And I want to say that I hope that means just we don't talk about the clitoris like I hope it's not more than that because I feel like it's standard to just not mention the clitoris right I mean I think that 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 most schools don't probably um it's probably uh you know I think with California specifically um there was an act that went into place called the California Healthy Youth Act and there are certain standards that all you know, public schools in California need to meet when it comes to sex education requirements. Um, and I would be really surprised if mention of the clitoris wasn't there. And California is a really big state. So at least, um, you know, if that's happening there, that that's great. But there are also 49 other states. And so, uh, yeah, I really I would hope that um, that they are mentioning it. And if not, I hope that there aren't worse inaccuracies that people are sharing. But we know that there are, right? I mean, there are so many myths that are perpetuated in sex ed by health teachers or gym teachers or people who don't, who aren't accredited um, yeah. and don't really know what they're doing. And they're operating out of like fear or like myths that they heard when they were younger and they like don't mm. want to talk about it. Absolutely. And I mean, the pressure to also be placed in that position to teach sex ed when you're not qualified and you maybe right. don't want to, and maybe you've got your own shame and maybe you're scared of what all of the parents are going to say. Right. That must be very difficult to actually be put in that position to, okay, off you go and teach these young people about sex. <laughs> right. I mean, I do have empathy for those teachers. I think like it's the school's leadership, um, you know, it's their responsibility to get that person trained and to mm -hmm. research whatever, you know, there there's digital trainings now, like to figure out um, what exactly you would need to learn in, or mm -hmm. in order to be a successful teacher for whatever unit. Um, that's like the bare minimum, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the least that they can do. Um, but as we know with like just non-politicized things like art and music, if those mm -hmm. programs have gotten cut because of funding, then like sex education, which is a very political topic, even though it shouldn't be, uh, mm. you know, where's where's the money going to come from mm. to to teach those teachers? Absolutely. And if only we could highlight the fact that pleasure-based sex education has so many benefits. It reduces STIs. It reduces you know age of sexual, sexual debut. debut. Mm -hmm. so many different things and then if we could take it all the way to your recent experiment and show the benefits of pleasure I mean this is real life this was a real experiment that you did mm -hmm. totally yeah and like it's funny because masturbation is technically the safest sex that you'll ever have um <laughs> even though you know adults feel very uncomfortable talking to young people about masturbation and about that fact that it's normal and um you know all all of that you can't get an STI by masturbating. Um, you can't get pregnant by masturbating. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's like an important thing to really be honest with young people about, Hey, you're, this is your body. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's more than okay to feel pleasure. Here are the parameters around it. Here are the places that you should and shouldn't do that. Uh, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be hurting yourself or anyone around, you, you know, this is like an open conversation that is maybe awkward for some people, but it's so necessary. And young people remember, they remember 
how you go about that and the ways in which you talk to them about that. Mm, They absolutely do. And I can attest to that with having three young men in my home who are (laughs) definitely at that right age. Right. It's tricky. It is tricky, but I'm so excited for them and their future. and, And I know that they have, you know, a safe space to talk about things if they ever want to. And they've always got TikTok. <laughs> yeah, they do. They always have TikTok. And listen, young people only really care about what their friends think anyway. So really there should be, you know, more like, and there are a lot of them, like peer health network, um, healthy teen network. Like there are a lot of like peer to peer kind of programs. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that shouldn't be overlooked because kids care about what, their friends say more than their parent and that is who they're going to listen to as much as I want to say no that's not true (laughs) I'm under no disillusion there you're absolutely right (laughs) yeah and that's okay I mean I get that I feel like when I was a kid that's how I felt too 100%. 100%. Yeah. DB, this has been amazing. Um, thank you, I just Lisa. Wanna thank you. You've taken it. This conversation has gone all over the place and I've really enjoyed it. It's, but we've carried through the thread. So yes, we have. Yes. We uh, really did. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really, really fun. <laughs> it has. Please let us know. I know we've mentioned your podcast and we've mentioned a couple of things, but for anybody who wants to come and find you and track you down, where can they find you? How can they work with you? Yes, please do. Please find me. Uh, you can listen to Sex Ed with DB wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Sex Ed with DB Podcast and on TikTok and Twitter at Sex Ed with DB. Uh, you can find us on our website, sexedwithdb.com. And again, if you're interested in reading more about that magic wand experiment, we're at sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand experiment. And if you also want to check out all the other amazing brands that I work with and the discount codes that are there, 15 to 20% off on really great products that I use myself and that I recommend, uh, go to sexedwithdb.com slash discounts. Amazing. Definitely go and check it out. We always love to save. Thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to sharing this episode. Thank you again. I really appreciate it.